Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Here we are, Brain, ready to preview the Miami Dolphins' Week 7 matchup against the Detroit Lions because your Miami Dolphins are 4-2 and two and tied for first place in the AFC East, which is all very exciting. But I guess before we can do that, it would be, uh, it would be probably a pretty good idea for us to talk about the elephant in the room, the story that has really developed quite a bit since we did our post-game recap for the Bears game. The story that is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's got some injury problems yet again for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, as it so the story sort of broke Friday and Saturday before the Bears game that it sounded like Ryan Tannehill was going to be out. And the story was originally broken by our friends on the Three Yards Per Carry podcast, which is on the Five Reasons Sports Network. And the story was coming out that it sounded like Ryan Tannehill was not going to play in this in the game against the Bears. Um, and it was sort of it began to pick up steam a little bit. And then lo and behold, Sunday came and Tannehill was not ready to go. And at the time, Adam Gase was saying he's day, Tannehill's day to day and he was sort of noncommittal about it. And as things have gone on here. Over the past few days, it's now gotten to the point where Gase has said he can't throw the football. So evidently what happened was, I guess, there was a hit in the Cincinnati game where Tannehill's, uh, it was on the, I believe on the strip sack fumble. Tannehill was hit in the arm and it did something to his shoulder and there was some soreness there. Um, but the Dolphins just treated it as though everything was okay, and they had him go out there and practice in full for a couple of days. And basically what was happening was that his arm was starting to get worse. And so that was problematic, and that was why they they sat him out and said, don't play Sunday, we're going to try resting you. And that's sort of what the what the deal is now. At first there was concern about maybe an AC joint, but that's not, that has been pretty much denied by everybody, and they're saying that that's not it. But now the concern is about whether Tannehill has a labrum tear in his throwing shoulder. And so what's happening now is that it sounds like the Dolphins have decided that they are going to try a rest approach, and they're going to have Tannehill just rest his arm and not throw at all. He's going to be out on Sunday against Detroit, and I think it probably is likely that he is also then going to be out for the following game against Houston, which is on a very short week, the Thursday night game at Houston. I think it's probably unlikely that Tannehill is going to play then either. So then you're really looking at whether Tannehill is going to be ready for week nine as the Dolphins come home to take on the Jets. And the way this just the way that things are being talked about right now, it just seems like something is not right here. It just, it seems like this is not a situation where you're going to have Tannehill rest for a week and a half and another, you know, maybe another week and then suddenly be okay. Um, again, also reported by the Five Reasons Sports Network is that it just sounds like that it, at one point it was said that they decided that major invasive surgery on Tannehill's shoulder was not going to be necessary. However, they did not say that surgery is off the table. They're saying that right now they're going to treat Tannehill's shoulder with rest, and hopefully that will allow him to get back to 100%, and then he'll be able to play again. I, I I mean, just based on what I'm hearing and based on how the Dolphins have handled it and they've just been not very open about it, it just seems very fishy to me. And it, it all reads to me like this injury is perhaps worse than what they are letting on. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if 
Ryan Tannehill ended up having to have surgery on his throwing soldier and he throwing shoulder and he ended up not playing another down of football this season for the Miami Dolphins. Um it's it's a little bit concerning in that we just don't seem to know what's happening. Um it's also a little bit concerning because we are now talking about a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that has significant durability concerns. So, Brain, before we go any further talking about Tannehill, what what do you make of all of this? What do you make of this situation with Ryan Tannehill's shoulder and, you know, possibly him missing at least this next game for sure, probably also the Houston game, and, you know, very conceivably additional time after that? It's not good. I mean, there's there's really not much else to say about it. It's not good. It might not be, you know, the end of the world. It might not be the end of Tannehill. But at the same time, it might be the end of Tannehill, at least as a Miami Dolphin, because if it is, in fact, a labrum injury, whether it's a tear or a slight tear or whatever, um, if it's something that rest and rehab does not prove to be effective for, and he ends up needing to go under the knife and getting surgery, then he's in all likelihood done for the year. And at that point, uh, you've got to make major decisions about the future of your quarterback position going forward. Uh, Because at that point, look, it's not just the injury um, because you had the the back-to-back knee injuries on the same knee that got fixed. And then you'd have this, you know, whether it's a shoulder or labor whatever, and you'd have the, it's not just about the injuries. It's just that frankly, he hasn't been that great. And then you factor in the injuries and you factor in the money and you factor in his age. And at some point you just need to say, this isn't going to work as far as our franchise quarterback going forward. And if this is an injury that ends up putting him out for the year, then you go into next season. And then even if everything is fixed and he's healthy, what is your confidence level in Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback going forward for next season? And what's your confidence level in Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback going forward after next season. Because you really have to think about that at this point. Honestly, they should have been thinking about that this past offseason. But certainly, you have to be thinking it now. And I guess a big factor in whatever decision will be made, if indeed Ryan Tannehill misses significant time, and we know that he's not going to play this week, and that he probably will not play next week in the short week that they have to prepare for Houston, if he only misses that much time and they deem him ready and he comes back and he plays well, well, then this is a moot point. But if he misses significant time, you got to really take this time to evaluate what you have on your roster as far as the quarterback position is concerned. That means... How does Brock Osweiler play the rest of the year? Because he's obviously got first crack to be the starting quarterback the rest of the year. And he was a success in his first game against the Bears. But Brock Osweiler also has a a fairly lengthy track record of having a good game here and there and then being absolute crap. So... Are we going to get Brock Osweiler turning the corner and playing solid football, playing, a, you know, being a serviceable quarterback? Because I don't think anybody is going out there and expecting Brock Osweiler to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, but they want him to at least be serviceable. They want him to at least be Ryan Tannehill. If he can at least be Ryan Tannehill, then you start looking at him as a viable option to maybe be a band-aid for a couple of years, or maybe even a guy that if you put enough talent around him and let's say you you get away from Tannehill, you, you release Tannehill, then the money that you save on Tannehill, if you end up paying Brock Osweiler, 
you know, only a few million dollars to be your starting quarterback, then you go out and you spend that money elsewhere to boost the rest of your team, whether that's through your offensive line or that's putting money to add depth on defense. And then maybe you just say, hey, we can win right now if we build a great team around a game manager in Brock Osweiler. After all, uh, it was only a few years ago when Brock Osweiler was in Denver and Adam Gase was his offensive coordinator and Peyton Manning got hurt and Brock Osweiler and actually Peyton Manning got hurt and then he he actually got benched because he was just playing piss poor. Uh, and Brock Osweiler is actually the one that really got that Denver team on the right track. And then at a certain point, Peyton Manning came back and it was like he learned to be a different quarterback playing within himself and being more of a game manager, which Peyton Manning, it took some getting used to for him. But Brock Osweiler proved that he could be an effective game manager for the Broncos that year. And if that's what we're getting and you build a good enough team around him, then you could try to find out for a year or two whether or not you can win with a great team around Brock Osweiler as your game managing quarterback. Of course, there's a lot of doubt there because one, you don't know if, if Brock Osweiler is good enough to win even as, even as a game manager, even if he does have a great team around him, because let's face it, that team that he was on in Denver was one of the, was almost a generational defense and had a good running game and had talented receiver. I mean, it was as talented a team as you could put around a quarterback. And I don't know that the Dolphins are anywhere near that. Actually, I, I do know that they're nowhere near the talent that that Denver team had. But, you know, maybe the thought is if, if Brock Osweiler ends up taking this job and runs with it, that maybe you could save some money at the quarterback position. You draft well, you you make a couple of smart, savvy free agent signings, and then maybe you can build a really great team around Brock Osweiler as a game manager. Or you find a quarterback in the draft and you find your franchise quarterback. But the problem is, is that this just doesn't seem to be the year to draft a quarterback unless you are a bottom feeding team that's going to end up with a top three pick. And it doesn't look like that's going to be the case here because we're four and two. Um, we're looking like we're at the very least going to be a very same old Dolphins seven and nine, if not a team that is actually challenging for a playoff spot and ends up being pretty good and actually picking in the back half of the first round. So, you might not get your chance at drafting a franchise quarterback. And if you don't get that chance this year, and then your goal is to go forward with Brock Osweiler and try to build it. I mean, when are you going to get a chance at that quarterback? And that is really why it was so important for this team to address the position this past off season. We and said this, we said it on this show. We said coming into this season, Ryan Tannehill's durability and ability to stay healthy is an enormous question mark. And the smart thing to do would be to find a quarterback in this draft, in the 2018 draft, that you thought could be a future franchise quarterback for your organization because it was a very highly touted draft class. There were a lot of guys each would have been very easy for the Dolphins to lock in to zero in on one and do what they needed to do to get that draft pick. And instead, this organization moved all of its chips to the center of the table and they did so with Ryan Tannehill and they said, this is who we're going with and we're not drafting a quarterback for the future because we are confident that this is going to be the guy who is going to lead this team for the foreseeable future. And lo and behold... We found ourselves in a place where now that is all again in question. And Ryan Tannehill is now about to miss his second game, is almost certainly going to miss a third right after this. And then it's still a giant question mark after that. Now, it's certainly possible that Ryan Tannehill comes back from this injury and 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 plays and you know plays at a serviceable level for the rest of the season. 
with that in mind, I'm still not at a place where I think that's enough. I think even if Tannehill comes back and assumes his role as the starting quarterback of this team for the regular for the rest of this regular season, if he continues to perform as he did in the first five games of this season, which is a version of Ryan Tannehill that is not as good as the version that we saw on that big winning streak in 2016 that led this team to the playoffs, if he can't play even at that level, then I just don't know how this organization can justify assuming that enormous cap hit in a next season unless they are somehow they see somebody in a future draft a couple years down the road that they are zeroing in on as the guy that they think is going to be their quarterback of the future and even then I still think that if that's what you want to do I think there are better moves that you can make next season than to than to allow Ryan Tannehill and his $26.6 million cap hit in 2019 to stay on your roster. I just don't think it's a smart move when you've got the kind of question marks as far as his ability to stay healthy as he now has. He's now going to take that with him. If he comes back, even if he doesn't play for the Miami Dolphins, if he goes and he plays somewhere else, if there's some other team that wants to pay Ryan Tannehill to be that quarterback, he is going to carry around those health question marks for the rest of his career. And I think if he ends up missing significant time this season in that, like, let's say he doesn't come back until after the bye week, I think at that point, you have to wonder if... Maybe at the end of this season, Ryan Tannehill never starts in the National Football League again for anybody. And I don't say that because I don't like Ryan Tannehill. I just think when you look at it from a sports business perspective, does it pay to give this guy the amount of money that he is supposed to be making next season when there is far from a guarantee that he's even going to be on the field? To me, it's not even about health. I mean, the health is a factor and the health is, you know, why he is not going to be starting at least these next couple of games. And if it turns out he needs to get surgery, uh, you know, it's why he will miss the rest of the season and it's why he missed. But it's not about health because talented quarterbacks get hurt and miss time. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers has missed, missed a bunch of games the last few years, but nobody's sitting there and, and saying, oh, well, we can't pay Aaron Rodgers a bunch of money because Aaron Rodgers has had trouble staying healthy. You know why? Because when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, you know that you're, you've got arguably the best quarterback in football. Andrew Luck last year, uh, Andrew Luck has barely played the last two seasons, but nobody is sitting here saying that. You're not going to pay Andrew Luck big money and that Andrew Luck is not a franchise quarterback because at the end of the day, if Andrew Luck is healthy, you know you've got a franchise quarterback. The problem is, is that we've been sitting here for this is the eighth season or the seventh season now of Ryan Tannehill, and he's never definitively proven that he's a fan, that he's a franchise quarterback. He's had stretches where he's been, where he kind of, he makes you think maybe he's a franchise quarterback, but that's kind of the worst thing that you could have if you're paying for a franchise quarterback to have to be paying for a franchise quarterback that you're like, well, maybe he's a franchise quarterback. At some point you just got to be like, look, he either is or he isn't. And the fact that he's injured, that could just be, you know, what tips the scale ultimately. But if you were really sold that this guy is a franchise quarterback and you saw this injury and you said, well, this is an injury that that is a major setback, but it's something that could be cleaned up. And once we clean it up, he'll be 100%. If you thought that, okay, well, that makes him a franchise quarterback, then you're not worried about paying him next year because you just say, all right, well, this is going to, his knee is fine and this will get cleaned up. It's just a freak injury. We've got our franchise quarterback. He's fine. But you don't know that he's a franchise quarterback. And at this point, I would say it, it looks pretty clear that he is not appreciably better than a replacement level quarterback. He might be a little bit better than a replacement quarterback, but he's not appreciably better. And if he's not appreciably better, then you can't be paying him uh, that much money. And 
at that point, he's just not a franchise quarterback. What he is, is he is in that Ryan Fitzpatrick level. He's at that, uh, you know, whether it's a Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, uh, you know, one of these case Keenum, uh, he's one of these guys, Nick Foles, that you could put him in. And if he learns your system and you've got a lot of talent around him, you could probably win with him, but he's not carrying anywhere. And he's certainly not somebody that you want to build around and make the centerpiece of your roster and spend, you know, $25 million on your cap room on him. And now when you look at that cap room and you say, well, can you spend 26 million in, in cap space? Uh, you know, it'd be one thing if it was, you were spending 26 million in cap space, but it was kind of like the way the thing was structured. He makes 26 million this year. And then the next year he's down to like 18, but the following year he's making 25. So, uh, there's really no end in sight other than the dead cap space where next year, if you cut him, you're paying him $13 million not to play. And that ultimately will factor in because if you're, you can either pay him $26 million to play, or you can pay him $13 million not to play. And if you're going to pay him $13 million not to play. Well, how much are you spending on your quarterback at that point? Because if you're spending another $13 million on your quarterback for that season, well, if you feel that Ryan Tannehill is better than that quarterback option, then you might as well keep Ryan Tannehill for another year. But if you can go into that season and say, well, we could pay $13 million for Tannehill not to play, and then we can get a starting quarterback for $4 million, well, then that gives you about $9 million to play with in cap space for that season. So that's really the decision that's got to be made. Of course, if if Brock Osweiler goes and plays well uh, the rest of the year, and then, then he's got all the leverage there. And Brock Osweiler can come back in and say, like, like, look, I'm not saying that I'm a franchise quarterback. And his agent will say that. He's like, I'm not going to say that Brock Osweiler is a franchise quarterback. That ship has sailed. But he's clearly your best option and you could win with him and you could pay him half the money that you're paying another franchise quarterback. So that might look like a viable option, except for the fact that you're already paying Ryan Tannehill $13 million not to play. So if you're going to pay $13 million for Brock Osweiler and you're paying, th then you might as well just pay Tannehill, play Tannehill if you're going to pay him anyway. If you think he's better. Now, if you think Osweiler is better, then look, by all means, just go with Osweiler. Yeah, it's the the original sin in this case was paying Ryan Tannehill like a dominant NFL quarterback when he never was an NFL, a dominant NFL quarterback. That was that was the first mistake. And then the second mistake was not drafting a quarterback when the time was ripe to draft a quarterback and now you find yourself in this situation where really the only outcome that was one that would have been worked out okay for the Dolphins was one where Ryan Tannehill stayed healthy and delivered at the level that he was playing at in 2016 and that is not what has happened and so I don't know that that hasn't happened to be perfectly honest so like because what are you expect I mean you, you wanted Ryan Tannehill to what to, to play like the quarterback that had a 93.5 passer rating, had 19 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. I mean, because right now he's at eight touchdowns and five interceptions. He is at, has a quarterback rating of 92.9. It's not far off. If you remember that 2016 season, that season started pretty awful for Ryan Tannehill, and then he came on strong at the end of the year. I don't know that he's not just being Ryan Tannehill. And it's like, you knew, I mean, it, it's been, this is his seventh season. At this, this is, point, you this know is who what he you're is. paying, but you know what you were paying for. It was a stupid decision. And, and that's, call a spade a spade. It was a dumb decision to pay him as a franchise quarterback because he did nothing to prove that he was a franchise quarterback. What this was, was them restructuring his contract so that he would only be an $8 million cap hit for this season. 
because they were in such poor cap position that the only way that they could keep Ryan Tannehill was if they restructured his contract and they were so desperate to compete this season, even coming off of a six and 10 because both Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum are in job save mode. They were so desperate to save their jobs and compete this season that they went and made that move because one, they were like hoping, Hey, maybe we get lucky here. And if he's a franchise quarterback, then at $26 million, he's a bargain because these other guys are making 35, $40 million. We get Ryan Tannehill at 26 and he turns out to be a franchise quarterback. We look like geniuses. But in reality, what this was, was them trying to make a win now move to try to win this year to save their jobs. And it is a dumb decision. And it's the continued dumb logic of this franchise that has haunted them for the past 18 years. It, it, that, that's the only way to look at it. Because to sit here and say, oh, well, maybe we could have gotten lucky and Ryan Tannehill might have been. There was nothing there that could have told you that Ryan Tannehill was worth making $26 million a year. The, I mean, yes, there are those Tannehill diehards. But, I mean, what? His best year, the stretch of what, like eight games that he had, and he finished the year with 19 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. It's a very Jay Fiedler-esque year. I mean, would we have sat here and paid Jay Fiedler? I mean, it's it's a dumb, it was a dumb decision to restructure him. They probably should have just released him or tried to trade him. And if they didn't get anything, just release him or keep him around for one more year, take the cap hit, not try to be, you know, well, we got to try to get to nine wins this year. We got to try to get to 10 wins this year. Like they do every freaking year, which is why they're doomed to be, to always be the same old dolphins. Instead of doing that, they could have said, you know what? Instead of screwing ourselves for the next two or three years, by overpaying for an average quarterback, we're going to we're gonna bite the bullet here. We're going to pay Tannehill this last year, and uh, we're going to kind of gut the rest of our roster. We're probably going to suck, but then we're going to build through the draft with high draft picks. And hey, maybe we'll even get a franchise quarterback. What a novel freaking idea that would be. But no, now we're back in the same dog shit fucking quicksand that we've been in since Marino retired, which is we're constantly trying to compete this year. We're constantly, hey, if we, we've got this okay quarterback, if we just build the right team around him, well, look, unless you're building this absolutely elite defense and a great running game, it's just not going to happen. And look, the defense I think it's well on its way to being built into being something. And so there's there's reason to be optimistic. But at the end of the day, it is just so hard to win that way. And we have screwed ourselves and we've put ourselves into a position where that's the only way we're going to be able to win unless a franchise quarterback falls into our laps and we just get lucky. And that is just... That is just not making me very optimistic as a Dolphin fan. And from everything that I've seen from this team in, over the past 15 to 18 years or however long it's been, there's really no reason for me to be optimistic about it. So it's, it's a shitty situation is the bottom line. I hope Brock Osweiler can prove to be a great game manager. I hope that this young defense continues to improve and that Adam Gase can get the most out of these guys because it's not impossible, but it's highly improbable. A very, very good rant from Aaron the Brain on the Ryan Tannehill situation. Should we talk about this Lions game? Well, that is the that is next on the docket. That's why we're here, right? We're here to talk about the Lions. This is the, the Lions preview show. I thought this was the death to Tannehill and death to the Dolphins and, and Tannenbaum and Gase. I thought this was just 
you know, we're four and two and we're already firing everybody. I thought that's what this show was. Yeah, that's that's the thing that you got to love, right? You, you with Dolphins are four and two tied for first place and and the sky is falling because we're the same old Dolphins. And that's just sort of how things work, isn't it? It's it's kind of funny. Well, that's what the show is, isn't it? That's right. We're the same old Dolphin show. And the Miami Dolphins, your same old Miami Dolphins, are welcoming in the 2-3 and three Detroit Lions to Hard Rock Stadium this Sunday. And uh, I think this could be a pretty interesting game. It's a game that on paper you look at and you go, I think this is a winnable football game. I mean, you're in this stretch now where your super optimistic Dolphin fans are looking at Detroit at home, at Houston, and the Jets at home, and there are people here going, you know, Dolphins could end up 7-2. and two. And I'm not telling anybody that the Dolphins are going to end up 7-2, and two. Um, but I do believe that at least looking at just this Detroit game, this is a game that the Dolphins could win. The question is, how will this Dolphin, Dolphins offense function when the team on the other side of the football has actually had an opportunity to prepare. What we saw that Brock Osweiler did really well with the Dolphins offense was he he did pretty good in that short to medium passing game, chipping away at things. Um, he was chipping at, you know, just chipping away at passes over the middle and just sort of playing within himself. And when that was happening, the Dolphins were really executing pretty well on offense. We saw um, Albert Wilson break a couple of big plays uh, off of screen passes, but it was really, uh, the offense was focused on the short game and, and on the couple of occasions where they tried to do more than that, we saw the reason why the Dolphins were focusing on the short game. It's because Osweiler def definitely is a step backwards as far as arm strength goes from Ryan Tannehill. Now, Detroit is obviously going to come in here into this game looking to stop that short passing game. So I would say to you, Brain, what do you think the Dolphins are going to need to do to, to stop this uh, or to, to get past this Detroit uh, defense? Now, Detroit is not particularly good on the ground. In fact, they're pretty poor on the ground, uh, 30th in the league, giving up 145 0.8 yards per game. So is this going to be a game where the Dolphins find themselves just leaning very heavily on Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake to sort of lead them to the promised land against Detroit? Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, the game plan for the offense needs to be pretty much the same as it was last, last week. Uh, look, if you can run the ball against Chicago, you should be able to run the ball against Detroit. Uh, and the one thing that Detroit does really well is they get after the quarterback, but that's what Chicago did really well. And your offensive line really held them in check. So this is another game where the key to the game from the Dolphins offense, as it usually is really just in football in general, if you know anything about the game, it's the play of your offensive line. But especially when you've got a quarterback that is not, anything special and you don't have these amazing uh you know skill position players really what this comes down to is dolphins offensive line needs to needs to win their battles and they need to win their battles especially in the running game like they did last week against chicago if miami's able to run the ball then that sets everything up that's going to set up the, the passing game, it's going to put them in quality down and distance where uh, it makes us very dangerous. Um, Darius Slay is really the only great player in the, in the Detroit secondary. Um, if you're able to run the ball, uh, you, you could probably just look, you just stay away from whoever Slay is covering and you, and you go after, uh, you go after the, the other boundary and you, you try to, at the end of the day, this Dolphins offense, we don't really have a number one receiver. Uh, we've got a bunch of receivers that are capable of making plays. And it's just about 
how do we find ways to creatively get the ball to our playmakers in space? So that means how do we get the ball to Albert Wilson in space? How do we get the ball to Jakeem Grant in space? How do we get the ball to to uh, Kenny Stills in space? How do we get the ball to Kenyon Drake in space? Jakeem Grant. Yeah, I mean, that's what this offense is. We just don't, we don't have a guy that we could just say, look, regardless of who we're playing, when we need a big play in the passing game and we need to pick up 10 to 15 yards, we could just throw it to this guy. We don't have that guy. So what you need to do is you need to manufacture plays by getting yourself in good down and distance so that you're not in this situation where you need 10 to 15 yards on a, on a given play. Because when the Dolphins need 10 to 15 yards on a given play, it's it's usually pretty disastrous. It's either disastrous or it's very uninspired. Meaning they're either it's either a give-up play or it's a turnover. That's typically what happens when this team gets put in a third and long situation. So if they can avoid that, and how do you avoid that? You avoid that by having success on first and second downs, whether that's by running the football consistently or getting the ball to your playmakers in space through bubble screens, which are basically just long handoffs. That's the Dolphins need to put together drives. They need to not shoot themselves in the foot. This is not a great Detroit defense. The one area where this Detroit defense succeeds and has uh, some ability is they're able to get after the passer. They're second in the league in sack percentage. So that means if you put yourself in third and long, this is a defense that can hurt you. But if you if you have success on first and second down, you're getting the ball out of your quarterback's hands quickly. This is not a defense that is really scary. It's certainly not as good a defense as you played last week. And so I think the Dolphins can have a lot of success, provided they don't shoot themselves in the foot. On the other side of the ball, Detroit is, I think, well, we've, we've known that Matthew Stafford is a is, uh, Pretty good NFL quarterback, and he's got a trio of fantastic receivers. Marvin Jones Jr., Golden Tate, uh, Kenny Galladay, very good receivers that Stafford has there in Detroit. And what makes this Detroit team a little bit different than some of the Detroit teams that we've seen in the past is that they actually have a running game that is not just sort of there. Um, Karrion Johnson just seems to be a... uh, a pretty good running back, and and he actually ran for a hundred yards in a game this season, which you know had the people in Detroit celebrating. So this is a team that is a little bit more multifaceted on the offensive side of the ball than what we've maybe seen in the past. So the and the down the Dolphins' defense is also going to be boosted this week. It's, at least it sounds like at this point that they're going to get Cameron Wake back on the defensive line, which is going to be helpful with both Charles Harris and Jonathan Woodard looking like they're going to miss this Sunday's game. The Dolphins are also getting a big boost in the secondary with uh, what it looks to be the return of Bobby McCain after uh, Torrey McTire just got torched last week uh, by Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. So this Dolphins defense is getting a little bit of a boost, but what are they going to need to do to shut down this Detroit offense? Because, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Well, yeah, and he's got better weapons than Mitch Trubisky, and that's the scary part uh, because this is a talented group of skill position players. Uh, This is probably... I mean, looking at our schedule thus far, this is the most talented group of skill position players we've played this season. Um, you know, the Patriots had some injuries. Um, you didn't face Josh Gordon at full strength. Um, obviously, Gronk is a, is a different kind of guy, but three real quality receivers. Any one of these three receivers, I think, would be the number one receiver on the Dolphins. And carry on Johnson, a real deal at running back and, and, a, and a really a three down back if they choose to use him that way. Um, and because Theo Riddick is hurt now, this is that that's kind of 
where I think the Dolphins get a little bit of a lucky break if Theo Riddick indeed ends up sitting out, and it looks like he probably will, because that has been one of the major areas. Now, Carrion Johnson is a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he's not he's not a slouch. Um, he's not a guy that that can't come out and 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 go out and make some good routes, make some big catches out of the backfield. But he's not that super quick scat back guy that is a really difficult cover for a linebacker um, like Theo Riddick would be, like Tariq Cohen was last week, like we have seen the Dolphins struggle with time after time again. Um, so I think if Theo Riddick doesn't play, this is really bodes well for the Dolphins because if I'm the Lions – I'm looking at your matchups and I'm saying, well, we probably whoever's covered being covered by Xavier Howard, that's probably not where we want to go. Not that Xavier Howard is necessarily like shut down corner. I mean, he's he's having a very good year, but we've seen, you know, we saw, you know, AJ Green had success against him, but I don't know that any of these receivers on Detroit are AJ Green either. So uh I don't know that they have a matchup where they look at against Xavier Howard and they say, well, that's a favorable matchup. They probably want to stay away from that. Minka Fitzpatrick could be lined up in the, on the slot, and they like to put Golden Tate in the slot a lot. And uh, they might say, well, that that's maybe that's where we want to attack because we like to go to Golden Tate, but the Dolphins might look at that and say, hey. We'll we'll put Minka one on one on Golden Tate all day, and we'll live with it. And the way Minka's played covering the slot, I think that's probably a fair strategy for the Dolphins to take. If I'm the Lions, what I'm doing is is I'm right off the bat. You know, it looks like Bobby McCain's coming back. I'm going after Bobby McCain. One, I want to know that he's healthy. Two, we don't really know how great Bobby McCain is. Look, he's played serviceably, but that's definitely the matchup that you're trying to exploit. If you're if if your other matchups are against Minka Fitzpatrick, who has been one of the better slot corners in the league, or at least defensive back covering the slot, whatever you want to call him, and Xavier Howard's been one of the best boundary corners in the league. You're going to go after the other guy. You're going to go after the weakest link. And in this case, that's Bobby McCain. So I think it's a huge game for Bobby McCain. And if Bobby McCain, and I don't know that Bobby McCain matches up really well. I don't know if Xavier Howard's probably not going to shadow anybody because who do you shadow? Do you shadow Golden Tate? Do you shadow Marvin Jones Jr.? Do you shadow Kenny Galladay? All three are pretty damn good. So you're probably just going to say, look, we're going to play. Xavier Howard on this one side, and we're going to, you know, do whatever we got to do. Now, that what that might mean is that might mean that uh, we shade the coverage over to the other side. Um, there are ways that the Dolphins can defend it. The key to me is can we stop wh- – one, you got to stop the run because if you don't stop Detroit's running game, you're you're in trouble because their strength is their passing game. If you if you have to put extra guys in the box to stop their running game, you're going to put yourself in a bad situation where you've got man coverage one-on-one against a very good receiver. And you just don't want that. Maybe you are okay with it with Xavier Howard, but you don't really want that with Bobby McCain. And you, you might not even really want that with Minka Fitzpatrick against Golden Tate because Golden Tate is a very good receiver. And, and even if Minka Fitzpatrick is is a great slot corner, um, you're going up against one of the best slot receivers in the league. So it's still not like necessarily a favorable matchup for the Dolphins. You got to stop the run. If you stop the run, then you can put yourself into a position where you can shade coverage to Bobby McCain, give him a little bit of help in what is going to be a difficult matchup for him, whoever he draws. Um, the other thing that would be helpful is a pass rush. And what would be even more helpful than that is to make the lions one dimensional by getting off to a big lead. Um, so that's how they've got to do it. Getting Cameron wake will help. Uh, if Cameron wake comes back and you got him and Quinn and they, and, and they can really get after Matt Stafford. Stafford is a guy that while 
he is really pretty good and and can sometimes look elite. If you pressure him, he he could be mistake prone. He's a guy that that will turn the ball over um, if you pressure him. So I think if the Dolphins could get off to a lead, if they could stop the run and make the Lions one dimensional, there is a good chance especially the way this defense has been forcing turnovers and getting interceptions with this secondary, which is one of the better secondaries in the league. There is reason to be optimistic for the matchup for the Dolphins defense. And I think if Theo Riddick doesn't play, that really helps because he is the one guy that really scares me because if you get Theo Riddick lined up against a linebacker, then that's a guy that you could just go to nine, 10, 11 times in a game. And we've seen how the Dolphins struggle covering really good pass catching running backs. Brain, we always ask our listeners for their one hot take ahead of the game. And actually this week it was uh, relatively quiet on the one hot take front um, on the Twitter machine. However, we do have a couple, well, we have a hot take on in the comments on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Dolphins. Uh, and then we've also got a question that I want to pose to you that I think will be an interesting one. Um, so first, the hot take it comes from Craig, Craig Clifton. He says, it's the same old Dolphin show for a reason. This is a game they usually blow, making everyone crash back to earth for a second time this season. So Craig Clifton predicting that the Dolphins drop this game to the Lions. Now the question. Are you ready? Let's do it. Lay it on me. You know what? The, the question is unrelated, so let's let's do our predictions first, and then I'll ask this question, and, and then we'll wrap the show. Sound good? Whatever you want. You're the boss. You're driving this ship. You know what I'll do? I'm even gonna I'm even gonna do all of our plugs right here. So, Brain, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And then you can find me at Amplified to Rock. I think uh, this is like a tease, right? That they call that? In radio radio tease, it. yeah. We're doing a radio tease here. You're pro. Um, this is a pro move right here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Sam Old Dolphins. Uh, we are now, of course, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. So make sure you go to DolphinsTalk.com every day. Make it your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. I don't know that that's actually their slogan. I just have gotten used to saying that. Um, and I, it seems to work, it's, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, if it doesn't work, I'll let somebody over there say, hey, stop saying that. Um, but for now, that's what I'm saying. I like it. Um, let's see. You can also download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that yet, why haven't you done it? Do it. We've got a lot of new listeners since we move over to the Dolphin Talk, DolphinsTalk.com network. So we hope that some of uh, you new listeners will help us out and go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. It would be really helpful. And, of course, you can also follow us on SoundCloud every episode of the same old dolphin show is there on SoundCloud. Okay. We've beat around the bush a little bit. So brain, give us your prediction in this game as the dolphins host the Detroit lions. What is going to happen on Sunday? This is an all bets are off kind of game. Uh, I, I don't think the matchup is a bad one. You get it at home. You've been a good home team. You know, Adam Gase with Ryan Tannehill at home. They're they, what? There's something like, 10 and two in the last 12, something crazy like that. Um, you get Theo Riddick probably not playing. Um, and he, he's probably that X factor that, that to me is like the most scary piece to the puzzle. As far as that Detroit offense is concerned, as far as looking at the matchups and what would cause the dolphins, a lot of problems. Um, the way this offensive line played last week against Chicago, you would say, well, if they could do that against Chicago, why can't they come back and do the same thing against Detroit? And if they do the same thing against Detroit, you should be able to run the ball. Brock Osweiler should be able to have a just a serviceable game, a game manager kind of game, and the Dolphins should come away with the victory. But at the same time, uh, this, like Craig Clifton said, and I don't always agree with Craig Clifton, but... This is very much a very, this would be a same old Dolphins kind of loss, but it would also be very same old Dolphins to win this game because if you win this game, you're five and two, and then everybody is buying in. 
everybody is buying in. And then that's when the Dolphins break your heart. When, you know, the Dolphins don't typically break your heart when you're kind, when you're looking at it and you're going, I don't know if I trust this team. I got to see a little bit more. That's when they get a win. And then you're like, all right, yes, I'm buying in. And then they fucking lose and then lose and then lose. And then all of a sudden you're eight and eight and you're like, I can't believe I fucking fell for it again. Okay, so <laughs> you are particularly having it with the F-bomb tonight, which is interesting. But uh, tell us now <laughs> what is going to happen in day. this game. <laughs> um, I like, like I said, and then I look at the line and I say, well, what's up with the line? Because if I'm looking at this, I mean, I'm thinking last week after we beat the Bears, then we get another home game against the Lions, and the Lions are a two and three team coming on the road, and we're a three point underdog. And I'm like, what does Vegas know that we don't? And that makes me wonder. And it just, I, I, I really don't know because I could see the Dolphins going out in this game and taking control. And winning this game like 31 to 16. But I could see the Dolphins coming out and losing this game like 31 to 30. I just don't know what to I'm I'm flat like I'm like you're you're asking me to make a prediction. I'll make a prediction, but I'm telling you, I'm prefacing it by saying I don't think the Dolphins are legit. I don't think the Lions are that much of a threat. So I think this game could go either way. I would not be shocked. I think the thing, I think the the matchup is favorable. And I think that the team has galvanized around Brock Osweiler. I think the defense is pretty close. And with getting some guys back, I think they can handle the Lions. It wouldn't shock me if they, if they shit the bed, but. Uh, I I think they'll play well at home, and I think the Dolphins are going to win this game uh, in a workmanlike fashion, twenty-four to twenty. There it is. Was that so difficult? Yes, it was. It was really difficult. That's why. That's what I'm getting at. Because I, I legitimately don't know what to expect. Okay. Well, let me. They, they, Brock Osweiler could come out in this game and throw four interceptions and then you're like well is that really that surprising and Brock Osweiler could go out there and throw two touchdowns and no interceptions and would that be really I mean this game could go any way yeah it's really one that really could truly go in any direction but I'm going to make a very bold prediction here and I'm going to predict that the Detroit Lions come into Hard Rock Stadium and get themselves a 31 to 19 victory over your beloved Miami Dolphins. Brock Osweiler has an underwhelming day. The defense continues to have some cracks. I think they might have even have a good performance in the first half, but eventually fold in the second half as Detroit adjusts. And I think the Dolphins are not going to be able to rebound this time. And the Dolphins are going to fall 31 to 19 at home to the Detroit Lions. Was that so difficult? It wasn't really that difficult. It doesn't give me any joy to make that prediction. But listen, I'm a I'm a jaded Miami Dolphin fan that's been watching this team forever. And uh, I know better than to drink the Kool-Aid. Of course, then they'll win this game and then I'll drink the Kool-Aid. But I'm, I'm actually, I, I, even if they win this game, I don't know how much I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. I have significant doubts uh, about this team's ability this team who plays on the who plays poorly on the road anyway going to Houston a team that they historically struggle against anyway and playing them on the road on a short week i just even if the dolphins blow detroit away on sunday i'm still picking them to lose the following week in Houston but regardless let's go to the question on facebook from chris taylor he says The Miami Dolphins are currently the sixth seed and would travel to Cincinnati in the wild card round. If you had the power to do it, would you end the season today? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The Dolphins are in the play. Yes. (laughs) Because they're not, I mean, the odds are they're not going to be at the end of the year. And if they are, they're not going to be in much better position. And I mean, we, we went to Cincinnati 
And we dominated the game for three quarters. So it's not like we're afraid to go to Cincinnati. So, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and Cincinnati is the kind of team that you want to play because Cincinnati doesn't really win playoff games. Right. I mean, that would be the dream scenario. Well, I mean, the dream scenario would be you're hosting Cincinnati. Well, well that's the pipe dream game. scenario because that requires the Dolphins to win the division. Right. And that's not, not happening as evidenced by their 38-7 shellacking by the New England Patriots. Right. So I, I, I think the Patriots just beat the Chiefs too. Look, the we're not winning the division. We're not hosting a playoff game. That's not a realistic scenario. I think the question is being posited here. It's basically, do you end the season now or do you play the season out and probably end up finishing out of the playoffs and maybe with a little bit higher draft pick? Uh, I, I, I think I would probably take it because I think, you know, if you get, if you have an opportunity to get into the playoffs, you get into the playoffs, especially given where this team is at now. I think if you play out the rest of the season, this team wins at least two or three more games at the very least. And so then they find themselves in that magic same old Dolphins territory of seven and nine. And, uh, you know, even if you go to the playoffs and you lose that game, you're still not in that bad of shape because you're you're looking at a team. This team knows where it is, I think, going next season. I, I mean, I think next year is a stopgap year as far as your quarterback is concerned. And then you you try to go the year be I, I mean, maybe it's not a stopgap year. Maybe you 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 know, maybe you make a move and you can bring in a guy like Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater no, to be your quarterback. No, no, I, I look, I listen to. We're not getting into that conversation. We're not going down that road. I'm You're just not it out trading there. draft picks for a media, not, for another mediocre quarterback I, that we have to pay. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. You're right. Not if we're not if we're considering trading for Derek Carr. I don't. I, I'm. I'm just saying. Maybe that's something that this. They feel good enough about this team that they think there's a shot to win next year. With if they Derek can bring Carr, in with Who Derek Carr is going to come in and bring thing. this, bring the Miami Dolphins to the promised land, and he's going to do it with eyeliner and lipstick, and it's going to be fantastic. Brain, I think we have reached the end of this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. We will be back after the game on Sunday to talk about whatever happens in this game against Detroit. Are we going to see David Fales get some playing time? Who knows? If Brock Osweiler goes full Brock Osweiler, it's certainly not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, well, so we'll be back uh, to wrap up that game and then not entirely sure of what the schedule is going to be like for our preview show for Houston because that game is on Thursday night, which is when we typically do our preview show. So uh, we may be we may do a slightly later wrap up show than normal, so we can sort of do a wrap up slash preview combined, or maybe we'll do our wrap up on Sunday and then do an earlier preview show. We're still not sure; it's a little bit up in the air. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins, and you will get the rundown there, and that's where the official word will be. In the meantime, hopefully it'll be a good game on Sunday, and hopefully Brock Osweiler refrains from going full Brock Osweiler. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got